welcome to All of the Classics podcast. My guest for this episode is Laura Leibowitz. She is the president of the Jack Benny Fan Club, a fan club she started as a kid. Now she runs the website and is the moderator for the International Jack Benny Fan Club group on Facebook. We talked a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I am sorry for this podcast being late. So we touched on Les Moonves, and he has since left CBS. We not only talk about Jack, but we talk about Doctor Who and the old studio system and even more modern stars like Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio. Now, I did have some audio issues, uh, but I've tried my best to resolve it. So if I could hear your input, if you have any advice for me, please enjoy. First of all, I found out you were an Indiana resident for a little while. A little while, yeah. yeah. I sometimes say six years, one night. <laughs> uh, I, live, I live you in Indiana, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's where, where, where I am right now. What? <laughs> where are you located? Uh, I am currently located at South Bend, so near um, Notre Dame oh, and all yeah. that stuff. Yes. Yep, yep. Actually, uh, George Balzer, one of Jack's writers, uh, donated his papers to Notre Dame. So, and I haven't had a yeah, and I haven't had a chance to uh, go through them. In fact, it was well, I've gone through some of them, <clears throat> but. Uh, Anyhow, so if you're in the neighborhood, you might want to stop by and see if those are available. Yes. I might need his... What? What? How do you spell that? Oh, uh, George um, Balzer. B-A-L-Z-E-R. Okay. I will try and look that up. That's awesome. Cool. So, first of all, how did you find Jack Benny? Um, well, so, quick question. Do you want me to answer this as though I'm talking to you, a knowledgeable Jack Benny fan, or uh, as though I'm talking to somebody who may know very little about Jack? Very little about Jack. Okay. So, there was this cartoon uh, called uh, The Mouse That Jack Built that was uh, done by Warner Brothers. And uh, they, the original vision was that they might be able to do kind of like an animated version of resurrecting the radio show because it was done, you know, 57, 58. And, and um, so it had all of Jack's characters. Well, not all, but a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, even Mary uh, came out to do the voice for her own character. And uh, Rochester and Don as a big fat mouse and whatnot. And so all the characters are mice, and it's kind of unusual because right at the end of it, there's this live-action shot of Jack waking up from a dream, and he says, oh, isn't that, you know, crazy Mary and me, two little mice trapped inside a cat, you know, Mm -hmm. as though he's having a dream, and then two little animated mice run across the floor, and he does the famous Jack Benny, you know, stare into Mm -hmm. into the camera. Um, so when I was very small, I'd seen that and, you know, kind of caught my eye because it was a little bit different. And, um, yeah, then, then, uh, actually I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time and there was a, a station out of Detroit. We had just gotten cable television. Uh, they were showing the old, um, television shows. And so I started watching those and then 
uh, I was on the phone with a uh, an adult friend in California, and I said, oh, I know so many people who like Jack Benny. I should start a Jack Benny fan club. And she said, well, it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. So, you know, I was 10 years old. I had nothing better to do. <clears throat> so I started the Jack Benny fan club and then finally, you know, a couple years later got uh, promoted in Jay Hickerson's Hello Again because, you know, this is back in the Stone Age before the Internet. And, um, you know, it just was kind of, you had to you had to find the right audience and somebody who had the distribution list like, um, uh, you know, like Jay did. And, uh, yeah, then started getting more, more members and it just went from there, so... That's cool. That is really cool. I was going to ask how you became president. That was cool. Was there a fan club before? Or... Well... No. You know, uh, of course there's the bit on Jack's show where you have two little old ladies come up on stage and say, you know, don't, you know, Mr. Benny, don't you know who we are? It's, oh my goodness, it's the president and vice president of the Jack Benny fan club. And then if you go back to uh, the movie It's in the Bag, um... Fred Allen, of all people, comes into to Jack's alleged apartment with a bouquet of flowers and announces himself as the president of the Jack Benny fan club. Um, and for a long time, I thought there wasn't one, but turns out I found in Jack's own scrapbooks that one copy of a little newsletter, and I, pub I republished it in our newsletter a, a year or two ago, um, that there was a gal who had started in, like, the early 30s a Jack Benny fan club. So, you know, God bless her, I had a sister out there somewhere. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, as far as I know, we're, 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 let's put it this way, we have the trademark, um, but Jack belongs to everybody. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I can't claim exclusivity on it. What does the job of president entail? Like, what do you... I, I know you do the newsletter. Is there other duties involved? Yeah, um, I moderate the uh, Facebook group that we have that's very active, and I know you're a part of. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, also the webpage. <clears throat> I don't do as much with the webpage as I used to. But, uh, you know, it's there. It's, a, it's a, another repository of information and <clears throat> fulfilling the occasional, well, I don't get too many audio library uh, orders anymore, but video library orders and, you know, seeking out people and doing interviews and, and like you said, publishing the newsletter, running the monthly chat that we have. Um, and also it's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a scoop on this, um, that, I'm because uh, it's in the newsletter that's at the printers right now, so it hasn't gone out yet. But um, I'm working on trying to pull together at least the base <clears throat> for like the ultimate Jack Benny database um, oh, because nice. we have so many phenomenal researchers on that Facebook page, yeah. Um, and they come up with all kinds of stuff, and it's like, you know what, uh, this is way better if we let everybody have the fun, and so. I'm trying to lay down the base information of, you know, vaudeville dates and mm -hmm. so forth. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that it'll evolve into being this <clears throat> kind of like comprehensive 
thing where we can put all those photos and all those variety, you know, articles that Don is always uh, coming up with and, um, you know, your stuff and Kathy's stuff and Garth's stuff and whatnot. And, you know, let's just put it out there in a place where people can see it and research it and learn from it and enjoy it and, you know, stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of a, the next frontier for me right now. That would be magnificent. And <laughs> I mean, I know that you said you don't really do the website as much anymore, but before, like, Antenna, was it Antenna TV that carries Jack? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So before Antenna TV, I found Jack on, like, a, well, at first I started mm -hmm. seeing his name pop up in, like, celebrities, like, biographies, and I was like well who is he and then yeah. I found Johnny Carson had like a Johnny Carson's and friends and I mm -hmm. found him there and that's when I first saw Jack but then like then I was obsessed and I went on your website and I just that was the resource I had before <laughs> it came on antenna tv it didn't it came on a couple like maybe a year or two later but that was in, in, it was an incredibly exciting time because I found it just before, like, it was released again. And I was like, that's awesome. Yay! <laughs> but, um, so for those of people that have never visited the website, what does the website offer right now? Well, we have, uh, you know, the overall Jack Benny biography and, and uh, the listing of everything that we have in our audio and video library, uh, lots of photos. Um, we also have a link to uh, an extensive bulletin board that we used to have, which I guess in calling it a bulletin board even, you know, dates it that much more. Um, push forum, discussion board, whatever you want to call it. Um, <clears throat> but Facebook seems to be so, so much more, uh, uh, available to so many different people. We have such a good group over there. It's like, eh, you know, it's, if somebody's got to log in there, then they can post something, but I haven't even looked at it myself to see if anybody's posted. So, um, but, uh, yeah, we have a host, the, um, uh, monthly web chat, which is not per se on the website, but information about it is on the website. And, um, you know, once in a while I'll have something to put out there, like, um, speaking of George Walter, uh, that I have a copy of the unpublished uh, autobiography that he had written, and um, it's in two halves, and we've published the first half. I'm waiting on the okay from his son to publish the second half, and, you know, we just decided, okay, you know, we're not looking to make money or anything on this, so, you know, I put it out there on the website, so you never know. Sometimes stuff like that appears up there. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, did you used to have a guest book on the website? I seem to remember oh. that. Oh, yeah, still do. Okay, yeah, cool. I just, you'll, see I, a I, I, you'll see a 15-year-old me signing it somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny because I, I had forgotten about that at the moment because nobody signed it in a little while. But once in a while, I go in there and process uh, any new signatures that I have. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. Actually, you know, there's a, a gentleman uh, who 
actually was on our our bulletin board form, whatever you want to call it, um, as Z.E. Jack Benny Kid, um, and he started when he was like ten, and uh, you know was all into Jack Benny, and it's like okay, you know I'm I've been around for what thir- almost thirty nine years doing this right now, so um, and and that's literally a true number, not not just a gag. Um, so, and he's now a filmmaker in his own right and, and a very talented one at that. In fact, he, uh, sent me a link to a short that he had done called Twombly and, uh, after Gene Twombly, uh, Jack's sound man, but you know, it's, it's in name only is the connection. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, little noir short that he did very much in, in the, uh, in the genre of the time. So yeah, it's, it's great to, you know, I'm making myself sound really old now, um, <laughs> to be able to see, you know, fans of Jack Benny, you know, come into the fold at, at surprisingly young ages. I call you all sub 39ers <laughs> and, uh, having been a sub 39er myself for quite a while, <clears throat> I'm now 49 <laughs> and, um, so, and I'm not staying at 49, I'm turning 50 next year. So, uh, yeah, you know, and just, just watch you all grow up and, and, you know, go different places and get married and, you know, whatnot. It's, uh, it's great. It's, you know, Jack, Jack entertains many generations. He definitely does. He stays, um, relevant through it all. Um, so... I've seen some of the comments on this story before, but I haven't really encountered this story more than once or twice. I saw that you commented on how Jack got his signature move of covering his face uh, with hand. How uh-huh. did that come about? Well, I'll tell you what. You tell me the stories that you've heard, and I'll fill in the details. <laughs> I heard that Jack... Uh, was backstage or something, and uh, Mary came in, saw that, like, a girl had, like, run in, um, and was, like, on Jack, and she, like, scratched him, and he had to, like, go on stage and kind of cover it up like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few different versions. Um, one is, so, so the one that you told, the way I've heard it, or, or the way... And these showbiz stories, it's like, okay, this 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 story is a beautiful little package. And so in some ways I believe it the most, and in some ways I believe it the least, because it's like, oh, this sounds like somebody told it and then wanted to, to make it a good story that <clears throat> that Mary was uh, sitting in Jack's dressing room and was kind of behind the door where, you know, the door would open and you wouldn't immediately see her. And that one of the chorus girls in, in um, uh, ah, Great Temptations, that, um, that, that particular showman um, was rather notorious for, eh, you know, it's, it, they, they used to have naked women on, on stage or naked people on stage, and they would do in vaudeville posing acts, um, but they would just be simulating like classic statues or, or whatnot, um, but he actually had the, um, the girls move around, so it's, it was notorious that, 
not so much because they were naked, but because they were actually moving and possibly jiggling and so forth. So this is the kind of uh, environment that, that you had around that show. <clears throat> and so one of the chorus girls runs in with her breast exposed and supposedly painted up with, with lipstick as a pig um, and, and yells, oink, oink, uh, as she comes through the door and that, not seeing Mary behind it. And uh, Jack, she was expecting Jack to fall on the floor laughing. Uh, and she looks at him and sees the blood kind of draining out of his face and then realizes that Mary's there and it's like, oh, uh, sorry, wrong door. You know, I mean, I'm making that up and leaves. And then Mary scratches uh, her fingers down Jack's face. So, um, and there's also versions where Jack gets a call from one of his girl in every ports. And, you know, rather than saying, sorry, I'm married, he says, you know, sorry, I can't see you tonight or something like that. And that, that drew Mary's ire. And, and then the completely, you know, G-rated uh, family version is that <clears throat> Jack was trying to go on stage without his violin, and he was so used to having that to hang on to that he uh, didn't know what to do with his hands, and so he just started doing gestures and so forth. Yeah, exactly, you know, what do I do with my hands? And uh, that he developed all of those. So, so which which one is true? I don't know. Take your pick. <laughs> yes. There's actually very little known kind of about how Jack actually got his start in radio. Um, do we know anything more than like Ed Sullivan, like him going on for Ed's on Ed Sullivan's show? I, I have to hand it to the fan club members that they've actually found uh, a few clippings of when Jack was in Los Angeles. He was on the occasional, pardon me, radio show. And um, so, you know, te even though, like I said about showbiz stories, the, the Ed Sullivan uh, story is a nice pat little thing. It isn't quite as clean as that. Um, and that you do have the occasional, you know, Jack emceeing, whatever, you know, back in 1929 or something, but, but who knows how many sets were out there. Then again, Amos and Andy was very popular by that time, so maybe there were a few listeners. But, um, but yeah, basically that he was in Earl Carroll's Vanities. Well, let me back up a second and give you a little more information. So the reason Jack was in Los Angeles was that, MGM Serving Thalberg, their boy wonder, had put him under contract. Um, but he just wasn't using him very much. And Jack was bored and playing golf and going swimming and and uh, so forth. In fact, uh, here's here's something that I don't talk about very often. I just realized that, that with all the uh, political kerfuffle right now over whether there's a recording of our, our current president saying the N-word, uh, I realized that I have a letter of, of uh, Mary written to Julia Sinekin where she uses the N-word oh, wow. um, because Jack is uh, swimming so much uh, and spending so much time in the sun uh, uh, golfing that uh, she says he looks like that. I have to pull the letter because mm -hmm. I haven't looked at it in a while. But anyhow, that, that all aside... So Jack isn't getting a lot of screen time, and finally he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done, talks Thalberg out of releasing him from his contract, and goes back to Earl Carroll's Vanities on the East Coast. Um, 
so he's in the show and then the show is going to go on tour mm-hmm. and at that point um jack says you know what i'm going to stay in new york and try and find an opportunity to get into radio and jack himself in his autobiography says something about because uh, i think the show went on the road in, towards the end of 1931 and that um he makes some comment like the the winter of 1931 was a very long and cold one because um, he was looking for this opportunity and Mary Mary had been the one who had been sitting at home listening to the radio and saying Jack I think you should get into this um, and then he had the opportunity with Ed Sullivan and then that brought him to the attention of Canada Dry and you know the rest is history so that's pretty cool it's never as cut clean as like oh he got he just got this opportunity and whoosh you know so that's really cool I didn't know this until recently but I found an interview where you said that Sadie Marks or Mary Livingston was um, involved in radio before Jack how did that happen yeah, I, I found that tidbit in reading a, a delightful book from Benny Rubin. But once again, Benny Rubin is some of the source of uh, some of those showbiz stories. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's like, okay, I'll read him talking about something. And it's like, okay, I know that's not true. Because, you know, he's talking about, like, Jack changing from Ben Benny to Jack Benny in 1924 or something. It's like, mm, no, I have the ad from Variety in 1920 of him announcing that name change. Um, but, uh, you know, so so anyhow, whatever. Um, so Benny Rubin was doing a uh, an audition show, trying to get his own show in, I think it was 1928, and he needed a girl oil you know to just read the script and that uh you know there the the pilot of that show was going direct out on the air and uh mary ended up being his second banana on that and um uh i it it didn't go beyond that because the sponsor had some rather harsh words for how he thought it went but uh benny rubin had this this great story of while they're in the studio doing that jack setting out in the car um listening on the uh rather posh uh car radio that they had at the time and um you know giving his opinion of how it went so anyhow but that's that's how mary actually got on the air before jack did wow you talked about how quickly I believe you said how quickly Jack really became popular. Um, he started in 1932, and he, um, believe I heard, like, an announcement that Don um, was saying that he was voted uh, most popular comedian on the radio, and he beat out people like his friend George Burns and Gracie Allen and, uh, like, even Ed Wynn. How was he uh-huh. able to do that when a lot of his characters at that time were um, not really established? That's an excellent question. I have not been asked that before. Um, So good for you. Congratulations. Um, I don't know that he got that necessarily in 32. Um, 
but because of Don was saying and Don joined him in 34. Um, and maybe actually I'm by that facts. time, sorry. No, yeah. no, maybe there's some facts wrong there. Oh, that's all right. Um, that, uh, yeah, cause Don joined with, uh, uh, general tire, I think, and then continued on to jello if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, Feel free to double check me on that. I've, I've sometimes joked uh, uh, that I write books so that I don't have to carry all this information around in my head. Um, so anyhow, but uh, yeah, that the Jack actually started to kind of create some of the characters, or you know, really, I guess I have to give credit to Harry Kahn um, and Al Boesberg, who were his writers at the time. That. If you go back and look at the scripts from 1932, then you have Mary coming on initially as, as you know, the fan from Plainfield, um, and then Jack hires her as his secretary, and then they have this beautiful little, ro you know, romance, uh, you know, between the two of them, and it's just, oh, it's, it's just heartwarming to read that. But remember also the structure of the shows at that time, was not what it what we all remember it as being. If you go back to the nineteen the first um, Canada Dry show, mm -hmm. where you have a little bit of comedy and then a whole bunch of songs, you know, yeah. and so you know there isn't as much opportunity to develop the characters at that point. Um, but it does start back then, and you know even before you get like a Phil Harris, then you have. Other band leaders, or you have Frank Black, you know, who, again, doesn't necessarily, he's not Dennis Day or Kenny Baker, um, but, you know, he was beloved, and in fact, when he left the Benny show, everybody, there's columns that you can find about, oh, will Jack Benny survive the departure of Frank Parker? Yeah, it could be, you know. Uh, so I think I think Jack uh, survived the departure of Frank Parker better than Frank Parker did. Um, but anyhow, um, so there's there's some elements of that. that the, the characters really do kick into high gear about the time that um, Morrow and Beline come in. And so they take all these things that, that Harry Kahn had started and kind of leave the George Bernard Shaw and Greta Garbo's big feet jokes uh, in the past, and then really start developing the characters. So, does that answer your question? I'm not sure that I did. No, I mean it's it's a it's a good answer because I mean there's not really much that I could see from like how that happened so quickly. So. Mm -hmm. It's, it, I mean, it is what it is. We'll find more information, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, also, you know, to a degree, Jack was just different from most yeah. other people because George and Gracie were a duo. Edwin was the perfect fool. Um, you know, and, and Eddie Cantor, in a similar vein, he was, he, I mean, it was, ask Michelle Malik to be sure on this, but I think he was doing a little bit more with uh, movies at that time than radio. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, before Don, there was, uh, oh, crap, um, 
Yeah, who was before Don? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, well, you had a whole bunch of people. You had Alois Abrilla, and yeah. I'm trying to remember, there was a George uh, who appears on Jack's uh, Shower of Stars 39th uh, birthday uh, and says, I was Jack's first announcer. It's like, no, you weren't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to remember. First, yeah. Yeah, there were. Because, like, there I'm were, sure if I hear uh, them, I'll be like, oh, yeah, but. Yeah, and same here. I mean, it's like, okay, Alois Hebrilla has a an unusual enough name that that one sticks with me, but. Right. Anyhow. So. So, yeah, there you go. So I have heard that when you um, were, I don't know when you interviewed uh, Dennis Day and Phil Harris, but I have heard that you did. Um, How did those interviews come about? And do you have, like, the stories of what happened during them? You know, Dennis I got right after he had been diagnosed with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, also known as ALS, and he just clearly wanted to talk. Um, And, in fact, I I (laughs) cut a 500-level statistics class. I got my degree in mathematics um, to interview him, and fortunately I was friends with the teacher, and I took her aside afterwards, and I, I, I came into, I didn't just cut the class entirely, I came in late, and I took her aside afterwards, and I said, Pat, I think her name was, um, you know, I just wanted to apologize for being late, and the reason that I was late is that I was interviewing Dennis Day, and she was of an appropriate vintage, and she looked at me and said, good for you, I would have to, um, so, but, yeah, Dennis was wonderful, that, that, uh, when I transcribed the interview, it's, I'm, I'm not doing that great of a job, but Dennis knows all the stories that, uh, that we would want to hear, and so he just, you know, tells them, so you get, like, one line from me, and then two solid pages from him, and he was, he was so amazing, you know, it, it's, the, the, him talking about, well, God never gives you more than you can handle, and just being really optimistic about it, and, and, yeah, he was just really, really inspiring, and, and I often still think of, of him, you know, not him in character, but him as the person that, you know, I was interviewing, and it's like, well, yeah, we'll get through this, because remember what Dennis said, God never gives you more than you can handle, um, so that was, that was Dennis. Uh, I'm sad to say that I never actually met him, but, but, uh, had the opportunity on, on the phone and Phil, um, I was in Los Angeles. It wasn't my first time in Los Angeles, but it was the first time that I had my driver's license. So I had a little bit more freedom of movement and I was actually up at George Balzer's house the day before talking with him and then um i had told him that i was going to see phil harris the next day and how did i get phil harris's information i cannot remember i'm just lucky i guess um i don't know i i I, i'd have to go back and see if i even still have any of the correspondence uh from that time of, of to figure out how i got to him 
Um, but he was living out in Palm Desert at the time, uh, ironically enough, in a house that used to belong to Bill Morrow. And Bill Morrow actually was kind of the prototype for the character that, that Phil Harris played, that he was the, you know, more hard-drinking, hard you know, woman-chasing, uh, you know, guy. He was, he was living the life of Phil Harris's character um, without being married to Alice Day. Um, so it was kind of kind of cool to be in this this legacy house and uh, see gold records on the wall and and uh, my favorite story about that interview is is that um, my mom and I had this long running joke of oh if you're ever with Phil Harris and he offers you a drink watch out um, so he said to me would you like some iced tea and I said yes I'd love some iced tea because we're in Palm Desert and it's hot and um, so he goes to the fridge and he gets an iced tea and brings me this lovely glass of iced tea. And I have my mother's voice running in my head. And I look down at the iced tea I had in both hands at the same time. And I looked up at him and I said, there's not vodka in this. <laughs> and he looks at me totally straight and says, no, you want some? <laughs> and, uh, he, he, he definitely was stocked to be able to provide that uh, if I wanted it. But, uh, but no, I just said, no, no, that's all right, you know. And, and it was actually a fabulous class of iced tea, as I recall. But Phil, Phil was one of those funny interviews where it's like not an interview. It isn't quite like Dennis where it's like you ask a question and then he just knows that to tell you all these stories. With Phil... It's more one of these where you just kind of come in, he's already started talking, and then you just turn on the tape player and put it in front of him and once in a while laugh, and he just goes from one place to another, or you'll comment on something. And I actually got, George Balzer had asked me to have Phil give him a call, and I have the tape of him uh, giving George Balzer a call, and he starts a conversation with something like, yeah, I'm still alive. I can't die until I figure out where to bury my liver. You know, it's like, damn, I'm hearing, a, <laughs> hearing an improv Jack Buddy program right in front of me. This is great. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that that was a fabulous day. That was that was definitely one of the highlights. One of the days when you pinch yourself and say, Wow, did I really dream? Did I just dream that, or did that actually happen? So. Wow, he was very quick on his toes then with, like, the comebacks and stuff. Oh, yeah. he. I mean, they knew their characters. They knew what fit with those characters. And the the hilarious thing, he, he was talking about how everybody's character was, like, a magnified version of themselves. And he said... If I, you know, if I drank as much as they pretended that I did, I wouldn't be able to stand up. And he'd be dead. Like, okay, <laughs> this is true, but I have plenty of stories from people. Like somebody was driving Phil to the airport one time, and he had like I don't know, a glass of bourbon on the rocks in his hand or something, and he didn't totally finish it, so he hands it to the the guy who drove him to the airport and the guy says well what do I do with this and he said drink it it's good for you you know it's just so Phil, Phil was Phil and Mary was Mary and Dennis was 
you know, an adult and so forth. But, you know, the story about Yes, Please, that when he was uh, auditioning for for the part and uh, Jack's in the booth and he's down talking with the accompanist and uh, Jack comes over the mic and says, oh, Dennis, and, and he just automatically in the audition turned around and said, yes, please. Um, and it was just natural for him. And I think that's part of the reason that the characters work so well is that you don't have anybody playing somebody that, that doesn't, you know, share plenty of traits with themselves, with the exception of Jack. Yeah. Um, you know. So, so anyhow, okay, I've rambled enough about that. <laughs> no, it's amazing, it's amazing, because, like, I, that's amazing. Um, so. Even I'm amazed by it, it's like, <laughs> like I said, you know. It's like you know, someone else did it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, did I just invent that, or did that actually, oh, no, there's a picture of me with Bill Harris, I guess it did happen. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is amazing, I need to see that picture. I gotta find it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like uh, the transcripts still somewhere um, of like those interviews? You oh yeah, and actually, you know, that's something that I plan to put out on the database it, because they've uh, been published sometimes a couple of times in um, the Jack Benny Times over the years, and. Uh, you know, I figure, okay, I've, I've never been in this to make money and, and saying, okay, we've got, we've got such a phenomenal group of people who can all contribute to the knowledge base. Um, heck, let me just put this all out there and, and, uh, have people enjoy it and look it up and, you know, reference it. And who knows, Jack may be, end up being the best researched, uh, historical figure ever. It's, <laughs> so many of us dedicated to finding, you know, or what, following what I call the 80-year breadcrumb trail. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's really cool. And I got to give you, like, mad props for, like, the Facebook group. Because it is one of the most active groups that I've ever seen. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the moderators, you know, they'll post something, like, once a year it's just yeah. like the Facebook group dies, but, and like, you've been doing this for so long, and like, your, your passion hasn't, like, gone out, it's yeah. still there, and like, yeah, I think Jack would be a really good, well-researched candidate, because, uh, I've never seen a more active Facebook group, with the exception of, uh, the I don't know if you're part of the What's My Line group, but that's a pretty oh. active group. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it's it, it's funny because sometimes I think about, well, I feel rather odd being put under a microscope. You know, once, once in a great while, with all due respect to anybody who said this to me, and, and, and my appreciation for the spirit in which it was said, or which I assume it was said, comes to me and says, well, I'm president of the Laura Leibowitz fan club. It's like, okay, that person you should run away from as fast and as far as you can. Um, generally because, you know, honestly, the, the, the way that they've come to that, and, and obviously I can't generalize to everybody because there's some people who I know are really sweet and have said that, um, that very often people will have created this persona 
that they expect you to be, you know, and it's like the woman who wakes up every morning and and looks up and says, well, you know, and it's like, oh, please, Mm -hmm. you know, and listens to at least five Jack Benny programs every day and is able to recite chapter and verse and blah, 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 you know, it's like, no, I have a life. I, you know, I do not eat, sleep, drink, and breathe Jack, you know, 24 hours a day. In fact, somebody who did not declare themselves president of my fan club, quite the opposite, was, was very angry because they were demanding a 24-hour hotline to the Jack Benny, pro, Jack Benny fan club so that they could always call and get what, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I can't, I, you, you don't want me to say what I was saying at that time, you know, it's like no. expletive you. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, 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 you need to get a life. Um, not to, not to emulate William Shatner or anything. So it's like, okay, when somebody has put you on a pedestal, you know, some, somebody, God bless them. I, I remember who it was. It's a long time member of the fan club came up to me at a, a radio convention and I was, it was the first radio convention I'd ever attended. And it was strange because I could stand anywhere. In fact, I was trying to get into the bathroom one time. And this queue of people would just instantly form, you know, of people like standing waiting to talk to me. And I just was not expecting that. And it happened over and over and over and over. And it could happen any time of the day. And it was like, why do you all want to talk to me? I mean, it's nice. It's 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 a nice compliment you know don't think i don't appreciate it but it's just like right. why you you know it's it's not about me it's about jack and so i said that to somebody and sean um said, looks at me and says why don't you get it you're a legend i'm like no i don't know about that you know it's like again I appreciate the respect, and and I don't mean to denigrate it in any way, but, um, you know, so it's like, okay, when you have have that kind of attention, you're not quite used to it, and you're wondering why people are doing it, then I turn it it on myself and say, okay, let's say that there is a Laura Leibowitz fan club and that my life is being put under the microscope. It's like, ah, you know, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go become a Buddhist monk and shave my head and live on a mountain in Bhutan. Um, you know, it's like, no, I wouldn't want that. So, so I try to be conscious about that in approaching Jack as well, because I could totally see this database. In fact, I'm <laughs> Kathy uh, Fuller-Seeley, when she was here, I just kind of casually pulled, pulled the contents of a file that I had and just put it in her hand. And just watched her jaw drop as she went page over page because Dottie Oman, Jack's secretary, had for like 10 years a day-by-day schedule of where Jack was and what he was doing. And yeah, I mean, imagine for, for any of us having somebody tracking what we were doing you know, on a day by day basis like that. It's like, that's a little scary. And so, you know, I'm always trying to find that balance with Jack of like, okay, yeah, we may be able to figure that out, but 
you know, if we wouldn't want it done to us, should we be doing it to somebody else? I don't know. I'm, I'm still wrestling with that, so. That's really cool, though, and it's like, sure, you're a historian stream with that, with that. I'm sure that's what Kathy was like, wow, like, oh, wow. That is really cool, though. Um, uh, Tech is helpful when somebody says, says to me, hey, when, you know, where was he on this date? Um, and I can pull it up and generally find out. <laughs> You could do a. You would be the best person to do the this day in Jack Benny. Like I know there's that podcast, but like you could, that would be great to like you could actually have something for each day. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. On this date in 1946. Well, I don't know. We're in August, and he was probably uh, in um, uh, in Europe uh, with the USO show. So. You know, wow. In 1952, you know, he was in Korea or whatever. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> so you were saying, like, you do have a life outside of Jack Benny. What are mm -hmm. some of your other interests? Uh, well, I I have a long-standing joke that I'm the rarest of animals. I'm I'm a uh, female Jewish Irish tenor. Um, so I sing with the San Francisco Bach Choir and, uh, I've sung with other ensembles in, in this area. So I love that. Uh, pretty much every week I go to the symphony. It's, uh, you know, Jack loved the symphony and I do too. And, you know, know a lot of the musicians there. And, um, I bought another plot of land where I'm building my own organic garden and, um, you know, I'm frustrated artist I, I uh, well you're on my Facebook group uh, you know as a, as a friend so you've seen my door project and my tiles and and so forth this so just finding uh, opportunities outlets for for creativity there and um, today, <laughs> today after we get done um, I'm going to be uh, converting uh, a silver tone floor radio that somebody gave me that's that really needs some TLC but I'm converting it into a uh, rolling table for my uh, compound miter saw <laughs> and um, so I guess that's kind of crossover with Jack because God knows the radio probably played Jack at some point um, you know and I uh, work with a rabbit rescue I have six bunnies of my own and you know I'm working with a couple of medical rescues right now who need some some uh, special attention and healing and so forth. So, and I love to cook. I've done recipe development and, and, uh, yeah, that's, you know, probably, and, and more things as they come up, you know, I have a magnet on, on my uh, fridge that, uh, says, did you ever notice that what the hell is always the right decision? And I had the opportunity to, uh, be an extra in a Taylor Mac video one time, so I put on my Mae West uh, outfit and <laughs> went down to San Francisco in the early morning hours and when they were shooting and ended up in Rolling Stone magazine, you know, with that. <laughs> Obviously, the focus was Taylor Mac, but you can certainly pick me out of the video. Right. Um, so, you know, just weird stuff like that comes up and it's like, oh, yeah, what the hell? Okay, let's do that. That'll be interesting. And 
you know, I love traveling. I've been to Bhutan, I've been to Cuba, and I'm hoping to get to Tehran, you know. <laughs> but uh, have to have to carefully uh, measure the political uh, times with that, um, going at, going at the right times. So anyhow, but yeah, I have a have a lot of living to do. So. <laughs> I saw on your Facebook page that you're also a fan of Doctor Who, so I don't, I don't want to die off off of like Benny too much, but like this is all of the classics. Do you like, do you like classic Who? Oh yeah, Patrick Troughton's my favorite Doctor. Oh my gosh, do you know the guy? What's his name? It's Christopher Thompson, and he does voice work as. Patrick Troughton. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, How cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for like he's he's fantastic. My favorite doctor is probably Sylvester McCoy. I know most people really Really? Yes, people kind of like hate on him, but because like <laughs> the series ended soon after him, but I don't think that was his fault. He was working with the scripts they gave him, which were not that great. And Yeah. Like, but his physical comedy and his actual, like, I just love his era because, like, Ace is amazing and, yes, the plots are hokey, but he does a great job. Yeah, you know, I I have to admit that I just did not gel with that era, but I totally respect that you do. Um, in fact, if, if you uh, look on the Jack Benny page, there's an Easter egg for Doctor Who fans. Um, I, I think this is right. Um, if it's not right, let me know. Um, JackBenny.org slash DW.htm. Um, and I've done this thing where I, I aligned all the, the older doctors. You know, I didn't do Christopher Eccleston. I didn't do... Um, Oh, rats! What's the name of the guy? I've even been in the same room with him. Who did the uh, TV movie? It was right after Sylvester McCoy. Oh, Paul McGann. Yeah. Paul McGann. Thank yeah. you. Um, I've been away from Doctor Who for a little bit, so yeah, um, I, uh, I'm kind of taking a break from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here, and it's it's kind of funny because I actually did watch one of the more recent episodes because a member of the fan club was was in it he's an actor in in uh, england but um uh yeah i didn't do paul mcgann but i i stopped at sylvester mccoy and mm-hmm. and for whatever it's worth to you um i matched him up with uh, edward everett horton um and when you take a look at the pictures of the two of them next to each other it's yeah. like whoa there is a similarity there so i can see that yeah uh i I am a fan of Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor, because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh-huh. he uh, was in a band with Craig Ferguson, and I love Craig Ferguson. I'm a huge Craig Ferguson <laughs> fan. By the I way... For last any... night on a game show of some kind that he seems to be hosting now. Yeah. No, I don't think he's hosting that anymore. I think they just do reruns. Um, mm-hmm. They canceled uh, that one, I believe. But... Um, for anybody that cares about Craig Ferguson, he's going to be in Waukegan, I believe, in uh, October. So. No crap! What, what at the, the Genesee? Um, Genesee? Mm-hmm. 
doing what? Just stand up? Yeah, he's, uh, believe it's for his hobo tour or something like that. Yeah. Oh, how cool! Yeah, how I was, yeah, I was hey. like, well, I might uh, have to go to, like, I've been wanting to go to Waukegan and I like Craig Ferguson, so I might have to do that. But, well, and you're not that far away. All you gotta I'm do not, is drive around. I'm not, like, but like I just haven't made that trip. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the inside of the Genesee? I have not. No. Oh, you guys see it. They've they've done a really good job with it. Because I actually back in '87 got to tour the Genesee, which was at that time boarded up. But it just so happened that the <laughs> travel lodge that I was staying at, but the owners of that um, also owned the Genesee Theater, and so um, there were things that they had in there. They, uh, do you remember what do you, does do the name Siskel and Ebert mean anything to you? Say that again. Siskel and Ebert, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, film film critics. Mm-hmm. Well, when they first started on television, I think, um, with, I think it was called At the Movies, and, and their weekly uh, critical review of movies, they shot the opening to it in the Genesee Theater when, oh. when it was closed. And so they came in and just had done little touches, you know, to, like, putting cardboard colored cardboard on the the snack bar just to be able to make it shoot a little bit better and and uh there's a thing where it says balcony closed and you see them sneaking up into the balcony i'm sure it's got to be on youtube somewhere it's worth looking up that's and um yeah so anyhow that's that's where they shot it so i got to see this poor rundown you know shell of its former self um, Genesee Theater, you know, which been painted in salmon pink and uh, you know stuff that just didn't work. And then of them getting the the um, the chandelier back, the chandelier in the the uh, main entrance has a story that it just kind of like disappeared one night, and it's an awfully large chandelier to disappear one night, and then uh, re- reappeared in a theater in Chicago. Um, it's like, hmm, wonder how that happened. Yeah. Uh, but they replaced it and uh, just have done a really beautiful job with the place. So, yeah, you, you've got to see it just for the sake of seeing the Genesee. That's and where cool. Man About Town had its world premiere. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's kind of big for, I mean, I haven't, I like I said, I haven't been to Waukegan, but it doesn't seem to be like the biggest of cities. I, it's it's certainly not, and in fact, you know, the debut of Man About Town um, was one of the biggest things that ever hit Waukegan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, in fact uh, Mike Rudolph, Jack's oldest grandson, has this wonderful front page from the Waukegan. Was it the Waukegan News Sun? I can't remember what the if it was the News Sun back back then. Um, but just of all these throngs of people in town and, you know, their, their own Hollywood style premiere yeah. and Jack did, of course, did one of his radio shows from there. That's cool. Um, yeah, so he and, he and Ray Bradbury really put Waukegan on the map. So. Yes. Uh, 
So you talked a little bit about, I know that like this seems off subject, but I'm going to bring it back to Benny. Um, okay. So how many bunnies do you have? <laughs> well, right now I have eight. There are six of my own and two fosters. Oh, that's cool. Do mm -hmm. they have any Jack Benny themed names? Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, some, some of them I, I keep the name that they came with, but okay. uh, no, they, they tend to name themselves. I have a little little lop named Snuffy, and his girlfriend's name is Schmoo. I mean, I suppose that draws from a little Abner, because she looks like a Schmoo. Um, a Schmoo with rabbit ears. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, and Sarasvati is is the wife of Brahma, so that's very much not Jack Benny related. And then yeah. one of them's named after Rafe Vaughn Williams, a composer, and uh, his his girlfriend has gone through a few different names, but she's ended up with Queen Fuzzy Pants. So no, no <laughs> Jack Benny related names on the rabbits. <laughs> All right. So I was looking, kind of like more like Facebook stalking you. And found that you like the. You were not the first one. <laughs> and found that you like the Jack Kitty program. What is the Jack Kitty program? Oh, you gotta ask Amy about that. <laughs> um, yeah, because she she. Well, it's funny that you asked me it right then because she has uh, a few cats named after you know uh, Jack Benny characters. And so Jack the Cat, she was thinking of, of doing a Jack Kitty program and asked, you know, asked me about it before she did. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's Facebook. Go, go, you yeah. know, <laughs> go in good health, as Schlepperman might say. And um, so, you know, I, I, I would have to uh, defer to Amy Flanagan uh, for more information on that. But uh, she did have a, a kitten that she wanted to name Mary. And I said, you know, is it a kitten with attitude? She said, no, she's really sweet. I said, name her Gracie. Yeah. <laughs> and she did. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really cool. I am interested in that. That sounds like a fun project. Uh, with all this stuff that you have, like with Jack Benny, um, you said you're going to start, like, um, the database, have you thought about, like, donating some things to, like, a museum, possibly? Oh, yeah. No, I've actually got it set up in, in my uh, will. Um, I hopefully don't have to, to use that will for a very long time. Um, but all the Jack Benny stuff is going to, well, right now it's going to either uh, the Boston Public Library, because I know that they were looking to build out their comedy collection, or uh, the American Heritage Center in Wyoming, because nice. they have some of Jack's papers and, and have been delightful in, in supporting my research. So That's very, that's very amazing. So that's cool. <laughs> I was wondering, now this is... Not something you probably want to comment on, but what can you tell me about this situation with Les Moonves, the president of CBS, not releasing the Benny tapes? Like, I don't... How did that predict... What is that predicament, even? Well, it's basically that um, 
I had information on what tapes uh, CBS had in the vault, and so I had approached them, not Les Moonves directly, I, 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 especially based on more recent news, I'm glad that I haven't had any direct contact with them, um, but dealing with their legal department for basically a year and saying, hey, you know, we'd like to, to pull these tapes out and restore them and, and whatnot, and, you know, please just give us access, um, and we'll pay for everything. And round and round and round with their legal department, round and round and round, calling every week and so forth. And finally, their legal department just said, look, we don't know what's involved in these, and even if we did, we wouldn't do it anyway. Oh, well, so there, snap. And um, so I just, you know, at that point, I was so frustrated that I wasted so much time on it um, that I just sent out a communicate to the members. And then, really, I have to credit them because they took it from there. Mm -hmm. And somebody else started the Tell Less Moonbus to release CBS, uh, you know, release the CBS tapes uh, petition and so forth. Um, and in fact, a few years later, uh, I was on the phone with a VP at CBS and, um, and somebody had connected me with. And he said, why are you going around telling everybody that Les Moonbus is a bad person? It's like, I never said that. <laughs> it's... Uh, other people have said that because they're frustrated with, with him. Um, but, you know, honestly, everything that CBS has in their inventory that I'm aware of, I've been able to get copies from other sources. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's nothing yet that, you know, is quote-unquote locked away in there. And, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm gobsmacked at... Uh, the fact that the Jack Benny TV series is as complete as it is. Um, in fact, when I was writing volume three of 39 forever, the UCLA uh, stumbled across or got a donation that included one of the three episodes that I considered lost. Mm -hmm. And, um, what you episodes know, so were, what episodes were those? Um, there's one that's earlier that I can't even remember what the storyline is of it. Um, the one that they found is Jack redecorating his house. It's not a great episode. It's one of those later episodes, but still, it's like, okay, if it was out there, let's see it. Um, in the other episode, <clears throat> I still haven't seen the whole thing, but I know it's out there because it's got Sammy Davis Jr. as a guest star, and I've seen that clip. Mm -hmm. where Sammy Davis Jr. comes in. He doesn't even do, or I don't, uh, yeah, he just comes in and does this one bit and then leaves. So it isn't one of these things where, you know, like Carol bring out and then you have a Tarzan, you know, skit in the second half or something, that he comes out and does this bit where he's like, wow, you know, I remember, you know, my mom telling me about seeing you in vaudeville. And you'd come out and you'd sing and then Sammy Davis Jr. sings and then you run over and you play the drums and he runs over and plays the drums and whatnot. And, and you know, Jack is standing there, you know, with his palms open like, but, 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 you know, and, 
you know, finally after Sammy Davis Jr. goes through all of these things, you know, and then but that still wasn't enough. You had to wow him with your dance, and he dances. And uh, it's like, but, but, but Sammy, I, I never did any of that, you know, and I can't even remember what the punchline was. It was like, oh, you must have been boring uh, or something, you know, like that. And he just walks off. And there's a French, t- or the, the source on it is French. So I think the, the tape must be somewhere in, in France, nice. either that or who knows anymore. But I know the show is out there and one day we will find it. That's cool. Sorry to interrupt you earlier. Oh, no. I, I, sorry if I stepped on you. No, no. You're fine. Um, so has anything changed with, like, um, I guess you said, like, pretty much everything is available. Is there anything that you know CBS has that you haven't seen on um, the shows that are running on Antenna? Oh yeah, no. There's there's plenty of shows that aren't on antenna, and I don't even I don't even know if I have the most recent um, inventory of the shows that they're running, but I know approximately the the syndication package, like all the stuff that we put in the lost episodes. I don't think that's something that's included in the antenna TV package, um, but. Yeah, and there's and there are a few shows just to tantalize everybody that I have copies of, but I was given copies of under the promise that I wouldn't release them for a certain period of time. Um, so I'm I'm honoring that commitment now. I have uh, shown a couple of them in the monthly chats because uh, I figure okay I'll put it up there and then I'll take it down right after and I haven't actually distributed it to anybody. Um, so. But, you know, so there's there's stuff out there. Some of it you have to actually go to UCLA to sit there and watch. And sadly, in the 64-65 season, there are some episodes that I've watched where I was just yelling at the television screen because they were so bad. You know, it's like, no, don't, oh, God, you know. Yeah. So, you know, watching Jack crawl around on all fours in a in a cat suit, you know, and lapping milk out of a bowl. It's like, uh, oh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> no, doesn't sound like it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you found Jack after his radio days. What made you fall in love with him? I know you said that there was that cartoon. Was there anything about it that just made you interested in him? That's an excellent question. I wish I had a good answer for you. Um, you know, I, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, the, the story that I told you earlier, I was this for a confession, um, is, mostly true, but I've also made that into a show business story um, uh, and, and tied it into a nice package and, and that all makes sense. Um, and, and the actual truth uh, is, is that, but it's also that I re-saw um, The Mouse the Jack built later and I remember the next day 
I was standing at my bus stop. I was in eighth grade, and um, and um, my uh, somebody somebody was talking about a teacher, and I said, "Oh yeah, she looks like Mortimer Snurd." And all these other kids turned to me and say, "Who's Mortimer Snurd?" And I just kind of automatically struck that jack pose, you know, hand, hand on the face, you know, tucked in, yeah. onto my arm. Yeah, it's like, and kind of stared off like, can you believe these people? And I can't tell you what connected the wiring. It's, I, I sometimes, when I'm in a more honest mood, as I apparently am right now, um, you know, the, uh, it, it, it's almost like, a finger came out of the sky and touched the top of my head and said, you will be the Jack Benny girl. And everything just kind of hooked up at that moment. And, and that was the first, first day. And I, I came home from school and, and told my parents that story that I just told you about, you know, Mortimer Stern. And I said, and then I did a Jack Benny. Yeah. And, yeah, my mom, who had sat me down in front of the second farewell special when I was three, um, and loved to tell the story of, you know, after about 30 seconds, I ran out of the room bored, and she said, well, no Jack Benny fan here, okay. Um, <laughs> was like, what? You know, you did a what? Yeah, I did a Jack Benny. Uh, you did a what? Yeah. And then she had the Publishers Central Bureau uh, catalog. Uh, open. She said, are you interested in anything here? I said, yeah, do they have any Jack Benny? And she just looks at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> you, know, where, you know, where did this come from? Right. Um, I mean, she was, a, she was a huge Jack Benny fan. My father was not. Um, so, you know, it wasn't that she didn't understand someone appreciating Jack. She just didn't understand me appreciating Jack. Yeah. And, yeah, it just, you know, the, the I can't explain it. Just one one day I became the Jack Benny girl, and that's actually the honest-to-God truth story, and, and you see why I don't tell it, because it doesn't make any sense, and I can't yeah, explain no. it, so there it is. I get that. Uh, I've fallen in love with a number of different classic stars, like Gene Kelly and Dean Martin. I was known as those those two people that's the that's who I obsessed over in high school and yeah so they were like y you're the girl that loves that has crushes on dead people like that that was me uh, uh -huh. <laughs> oh been there done that oh yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's who I became yep <laughs> mm -hmm. my my parents were like really happy when oh who was it Steve Martin like when I fell in love with Steve Martin because they were like, at least he's living. He looks much older than you, but he's living. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and it's an interesting thing. I'm curious on your thoughts about this. That, that you know, it, a lot of people talk about we're going to get into sociological study, and we could certainly be, we should get Kathy on here and and uh, have a three way conversation yes. about this. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> well, maybe we should work on that. Yeah. Um, that 
But it's often said that you had, you know, the studio system and in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and so forth. And so you had people like Clark Gable and Tyrone Power and Marlon Brando and, you know, Spencer Tracy and, and et cetera and so on. Um, and they all have this kind of yang about them. Um, and, you know, the women... The women as well. You have, you know, the ones that, that are more in, pardon, pardon the term, more the, you know, category like mm-hmm. um, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis and so forth. And then you have the Vivian Lees, who I guess also qualifies for that, you know, and the, the Olivia de Havilland's and the Judy Garland's and so forth, you know. And, and so you have this kind of aura about them. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into the 60s, you kind of get more into the anti-hero and, you know, people who are more like Dustin Hoffman, you know, who don't kind of come across with that same, same aura to them. Yeah. Um, a lot of people credit that to the fall of the studio system. Um, you still have some like Gene Hackman, you know, that kind of go into the 70s and so forth. But there's, there's a certain softening of kind of the male image. Um, and I almost wonder, it's like when you say Gene Kelly and Dean Martin, you know, when I think of them, it's like they both had Yang, you know, and, and uh, Gene Kelly even more so than Fred Astaire, because Fred Astaire is kind of, you know, wispy in his own way. And I'm not saying that in an effeminate yeah. kind of way, but, right. you know, he just, he doesn't have quite the same quality of Yang that, that Gene Kelly does. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder if there is some, you know, well, Jack, like I said, you know, Kathy has a whole chapter in her book on this because um, Jack is somewhere in between there. But, you know, if there isn't something that is just kind of quintessentially attractive about that that image that was, you know, portrayed back then. You know, what, yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I think so in some way. I mean, Gene Kelly was a big fighter of the studio system, though, and Dean Martin kind of came in around a little bit uh, in the middle, I think, because I don't like his stuff, like, in the studio system, but more so with the Rat Pack and... um, Yeah. So I like... And I like seeing his live performances... um, that's on YouTube and stuff, so that's more of what I like, um, and I think they, I, I guess the Rat Pack was really kind of, I guess, what made them more attractive, when I guess, this is spitballing here, because I haven't really thought about this, but, but, um, they kind of created their own studio system, because they were this group of people that created their, crafted their own image, and I don't think Dean necessarily was, a part of, like, in reality, that image, but he, by association, he was, and so, I think But if you is... look like the entire Rat Pack, I mean, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to equate Yang image with, with the studio system, but I think they, they did contribute to it in the past, um, of, like, making Clark Gable into what he was, you right. know, I think of him as kind of, like, one of the ultimate figures of that, but... Sinatra and Lawford and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean yeah. Martin, you know, when you think of any of these guys, now, of course, Frank Sinatra had this nasty habit of 
punching out punching women, but you know, which which is very yang, but not in a way that I like. Um, but yeah, they all kind of have this, you know, wonderful, stylish, masculine quality to them that I think you'd be really hard pressed to to find it today, except in somebody like George Clooney. Um, yeah, George Clooney and. I don't know why, but when you first said, like, the studio system, Yang, I thought of Tom Hanks, even though he doesn't really have, like, Yang, he's, but he's that, just that star presence, and, um, yeah, sort of like, it's sort of like unsaid Hollywood royalty, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, even, like, when I think of Brad Pitt or anything, not not cutting mm -hmm. him down, but he's a pretty boy, you know, yeah. and, and Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. I then saw him in Titanic and I thought he was a punk, but, you know, he's he's gotten to be a much, you know, much more, you know, depth of talent actor, but again, he's a pretty boy, you know, and it's... You notice since you know, he won his Oscar, you haven't seen him in anything. <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. I yeah, mean, no, I, I haven't, <laughs> so I don't know. That was the thing. Every year, all the girls would gather around the screen and be like, is this the year oh, he's going to win the Oscar? And like, yeah, yeah. and he just kept taking more intense and more intense roles. Like, you're like, surely he's going to win it this year. He took like this crazy role, right? So, mm -hmm. and he finally he won it, and I haven't seen right? him. <laughs> Yeah, he won the Oscar for J. Edgar Hoover, didn't he? No, I think his first one was the, um, the, I forget what it was called, but he, like, was out in the wild and, like, like, would live oh, inside the, a bear or something. Relevant or revelant or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something that like that, yeah. He won for that, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, God bless him for taking heavier and heavier roles, right. you know, to be able to also, you know, just improve his quality of craft. It's like as a singer that you take on harder and harder songs to right. be able to develop different aspects of your voice. So. I And I, I gotta say, I really respect, like, from the stories that I've heard about him, like, I really respect that he seems to be genuine and he really does support like wildlife charities and like that's pretty much all his like uh, if you look on his social media that's pretty much like all his social media is is like he mm -hmm. makes a lot of environmental talks hallelujah yeah. that's great you know that that he can use his celebrity to support causes like that that's that's excellent yeah yeah, and I, I don't mean to just, like, dump on Leonardo DiCaprio. Boy, talk about being off-topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I really, I have not seen his more recent stuff, but I, I have been told by many people that he's certainly getting, you know, be better at his work. So, and I respect that. That's great, you know. So, anywho. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, I think of George Clooney and, and, like, Cary Grant and Rock Hudson. Yeah. They had the yang. You know, it's like, okay, Cary Grant and Arsenic and Old Lace does not have the yang. You know? Yeah. There's I, a party in the window seat. Right. For the men, I, I feel like the studio system really, like, worked for the men. But for the girls, I 
don't think it worked at all. I think it yeah. was, uh, you know, you got, you get, like, sob stories like Judy Garland, and uh, yeah. it's just, it was too intense for for that, and, um, yeah, it's just, it's not a way of, like, rapidly losing weight, like, there, it was more scrutiny on the women and their weight, and then, then they would be too yeah. tired, and then, like, uh, mm -hmm. all that, so, um, yeah, that's... yeah. It didn't, yeah, I, I, and I yeah. don't think they had as much star power because, like, people still, you know, know Clark Gable. I feel like more than they would know. Like, I mean, um, can't even think. I mean, Betty Davis. I know that's not really a great example because I, I feel like people have at least heard of Betty Davis, but. Mm. I don't know. It's just, I I don't really think of, maybe this is just because I'm a girl, I don't really think of the women as much from the studio area, era. And, and probably part of the problem, I would bet, would be just what they felt would be accepted from women at that time. I mean, you know, it's just, I saw um, one of the members posted this gorgeous uh, poster from Johnny Guitar. Um, have you seen John and Guitar? I have not. Okay, it stars Joan Crawford, mm -hmm. and basically it's like a Western turned on its head. Mm -hmm. um, where all the men are a little more passive, and basically it's the women in charge. You mm -hmm. know, and, and so Joan Crawford's a gunslinger and so forth. And in this country, uh, my understanding is that it did not do very well. Um, because people just didn't know how to process it. But I'm, I'm told that in Europe, people immediately got it, you know, and, and that it was way more popular over there. So, you know, it, there are only so many strong, meaty female roles, um, that you can have at that time, you know, and, and, um, you know, because the studio system is automatically going to have women be, you know, more feminine and more submissive and more, you know, whatever, and more greedy. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the, well, you know, Garbo, look at her, that she had some really strong female roles, but she fought like hell for those. Yeah. Um, and then finally, you know, she just said, look, I don't need this anymore, and just kind of retired and, and uh, yeah. wanted to be alone, as it were. Um, but, yeah, you have, like, the Gene Harlows and, and so forth. And, and don't get me wrong, I love Gene Harlow. Um, but actually, you know, I'm just remembering, um, oh, heck, what's the, the Marilyn Monroe film where she's the, the babysitter? I think it's Don't Bother to Knock. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, you got to see that because mm -hmm. it's it is Marilyn Monroe during her Strasbourg period. Mm -hmm. She plays she play not to you know try to avoid a spoiler alert, but she plays a baddie, and it's really fascinating to see you know seven year itch gentlemen prefer blondes Marilyn Monroe playing a surprisingly heavy role. Mm -hmm. You know, and so again, you know, props to her 
um, for being able to seek out that kind of role and actually bringing it to fruition. Yes. Um, talk about breaking characters. So, anywho, <laughs> Jack, who? Yeah. <laughs> Benny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you get the female roles like Charlie's aunt, and Jack gets those. <laughs> Charlie's aunt. <laughs> Oh, wow. This has been very interesting, and I would like to have a talk with you and Kathy uh, c mm -hmm. together, because that would, that would be a very interesting conversation. Mm. It was funny. We were, uh, on the, we were both here in the house and on the chat together, and she was in the other room, and I was here in the office, and you know, stuff's coming up on the chat, and you know, we're just yelling back and forth, and like, you know, Hey, you know what year was that, or whatever? <laughs> so, it's uh, it's it's lovely to be able to share that. So. That's awesome. So, final question: How would you sell young people on Jack Benny? You know, I think if you actually tried to sell them on Jack, it would it wouldn't work. Um, you just you got to hear it. You got to experience it. I think I might put like Buck Penny rides again, you know, in front of them, you know, cause that's, that's really like a movie version of a radio show or, you know, one of the, the quintessential radio shows and just, just give them a couple of character traits like, okay, Jack is cheap. He doesn't like spending money, you know, and then play the, uh, 50 cents show that everybody loves so much. Um, you know, Jack gives a bump 50 cents with Frank Fontaine and, um, you know, and it's like, okay, either they'll get it or they won't. Yeah. And, you know, if they don't, then okay. You know, yeah. but you know, for, for people, people of exquisite taste such as yourself, <laughs> then, uh, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you at least plant, plant the seed, and, you know, if they want to see more, then thank God there's plenty on YouTube out there, and, you know, there's the fan club and the Facebook group, and, you know, we, we, we have all the, the Jack Benny to ODU as much as, as much as you'd like. <laughs> yes, you get plenty of Jack Benny on that Facebook group, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, and I, I really... I try to, you had mentioned about the moderators uh, posting, you know, once a year or so. Yeah. Somebody, fortunately, I think this only happened once, but, you know, I, even for the once, it just really stuck with me that somebody said, oh, you've made this all about you. Not the Facebook group, but the club. And uh, it was in response to a newsletter. Yeah, I know. Like I said, it, I should just ignore this one, but I try to keep it in mind. Um you know, that it's not about me, it's about Jack. You heard me say that earlier. And so, you know, I try, I try not to be too much in the forefront of that group. And, you know, like when somebody asked, how much older is Jack than Mary? I'm like, somebody there will know that, yeah. you know, let them answer it. And again, it's about spreading the fun around. And, and you know, it's, it's not... You know, I may be the admin of the Facebook group, but if we didn't have any members, then it'd be pretty darn boring. Um, so it's really about 
it's it's about the gang, you know. It's about the family of folks that we have there and all the wonderful stuff like yourself um, that you bring to the table. And and uh, I think Jack will be proud of all of you. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like there's a couple of people on the fan group that are like um, like even like sons and like daughters of people that were mm-hmm. on the show. I, mm-hmm. I believe Rochester's daughter uh, yes. is on it. And mm-hmm. I was when I was out in LA. I was uh, I, I stayed at the Rochester estate. Um, oh, and, did you now? Yeah. I haven't seen the inside. Oh, I'm a, I'm jealous. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So and, tell and, us about it. <laughs> I mean, it's very nice. Uh, um, it's, you know, as you probably know, it's a, um, a can't think, not Airbnb, it's a hostel. It's a hostel now. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and so, um, there's, like, um, the, the, play, the part where, um, they actually lived is sort of like the commons area, and then I think there's, like, a, there's an upstairs, and not very much, uh, that, uh, that's open, I felt like, to, like, the public, but, um, it would be very, it, I, I want to go again, uh, cause, uh, I was told that, um, his son comes, like, almost every day, but every single day I was there, he wasn't there, and he oh, was like, he kept like missing his flight or whatever, and I was like, oh, bang my head against the wall. <laughs> no. I I do need to post. I want to post like a video of uh, of my stay there because I mean, I of course I specifically chose it because Jack Benny, yeah. you know, like um, I think they were like I, they said like you're the first person that's come here that has actually come here to like see the history the history of it everybody Dang. else i mean Dang. it's re- it's really cheap so like uh most people aren't interested in the history behind it it's just a place to stay well this has been a fantastic talk i'd love to talk some more um but let's wrap things up there, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I've been note. talking to you for, it says, an hour. I keep, lo- if you see me keep looking, I'm just like, wow, I've been talking to you for an hour and 30 minutes, and I'm not <laughs> bored, you know? I'm just sitting here talking. <laughs> it's been a pretty discussion, but, uh, but yeah, I'm sure that you will edit, edit judiciously, so. Yes, I'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much I I'm a big proponent of keeping a lot of stuff in, um, okay. but you know, probably yeah, about the sure last ten like, minutes maybe because <laughs> we've yeah. been rambling. You said it's been kind of free flowing. You know, it's like okay, Doctor Who. What does this have to do with Jack Benny? Right. <laughs> it's all of the classics. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, or talking about you know masculinity in the studio system yeah. and, and so forth. But but uh, but yeah, no. Actually, you'd be surprised how much uh, crossover there is between Doctor Who and uh, Jack Denny. I've, <laughs> I've found a lot of people that that love both. Uh, I, I, 
can't can't necessarily explain why. I just know it is. So. Good quality. <laughs> just people like good quality. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for listening. I will be posting some of the links about what we talked about here on my YouTube and on my website, all of the classics.blogspot.com and on my Tumblr, all of the classics. I'd like to thank Laura for being so generous with her time. Please remember to subscribe, leave a review or a comment. It really helps. If you're interested in a free Doctor Who comic, reach out to me on Twitter at True Hope Sears or Instagram True Travels of Hope. Again, thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you later. This has been a Hope Sears presentation, darling.